Um, I'm just going to read to us from Matthew 6, which is the Lord's Prayer that he gave us to pray. And today we're focusing first and foremost on the phrase, give us this day your daily bread. And Jesus said this, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. In this series, um, we've been talking about how we're learning to pray, but we're also learning how to pray and to actually pray. And so one of the ways that we've been doing this as a, as a church has been using our prayer guides Uh, In this prayer guide, there is the Lord's Prayer, which we're calling one another to pray daily together. And then um, secondly, there's a psalm for the week that you pray through every day. And then there's a prayer for the day. And so there's an opportunity to to dive in, to actually practice prayer. I've admitted, like, it's hard for me just to sit down and pray because my mind wanders so much. I love to be guided by God's Word into prayer. And this is a great tool and a great way to do that. So if you haven't started doing that Please do so with your, fr- your family or in your own heart and life. Um, we started seeing in this series, Our Father Who Art in Heaven, which is the first phrase of this prayer. Because of Jesus, we can draw near to God and pray to our Father, who's in heaven. And we pray to our Father <clears throat> who loves us. He's altogether loving. He's altogether good. Uh, Jesus said that we can call our Father, and that word Father in Aramaic, which is the, the biblical language that they use, it literally means, you know, Abba, it literally means Daddy. And it almost feels scandalous to call God, our, our creator, the sustainer of the whole universe, our Daddy, our Abba Father, and yet Jesus instructs us to do that, Abba. And we come to him as Abba, who's altogether loving, but we come to our Father who is in heaven, and he's altogether sovereign, holy, righteous, and powerful. And so when we come into our Father's lap to pray to our Abba Father, to our Daddy, we're not just praying to somebody who's like us, we're praying to the one who is God, who created and sustains all things, who has the power and the sovereignty to accomplish his will in our lives. We pray to our Father who is in heaven. Then we pray, hallowed be thy name. We're asking that the Lord's name be hallowed in this world and in our lives. It's not simply an agreement. God, your name is hallowed. This is a petition. Lord, make your name to be hallowed, holy. In my life, my church's life, in the world, may you glorify your name. And then last week we saw your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We begin our prayer addressing our Father, who he is. He's altogether loving, altogether sovereign and powerful. We're then, we're then petitioning, make your name be hallowed. Then we say, but not my will be done, but yours be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Not my kingdom, Lord. This is not my, about my kingdom. This is not about my agenda, my will. Lord, your will be done. Your agenda be set in my life, in my family's life, in my church's life, in my city's life. Lord, your will be done. And then now today, Jesus says, after we've gone through this of saying, Lord, you're God, and you're my loving Father, you're hallowed, not my will, your will be done. 
And then he says, now bring your request to the Lord. Bring your needs to him because he loves us. And this morning, I want us to see three things about this. First is our dependence as we study. Um, Give us this day our daily bread. We'll see how dependent we are upon the Lord. We're going to see our dignity and creation being created people in his image. And then thirdly, our deliverer. Our dignity, our dependence, and our deliverer. First of all, our dependence. The day we enter the world as infants, we are utterly dependent. (laughs) Obviously. Those of you that have had children, if you have an infant child, if you were to neglect that child, walk away from that child, it would not last more than a, a few hours or days. We come into the world utterly and completely dependent upon other people to help and sustain us. And that's true through childhood. You feel that dependence. But there comes a moment in time, somewhere around the time of high school, probably in line with when you get a driver's license, at least that seems to be my observation, that you become more independent of your parents and those around you. And if you're not careful, especially the more success you taste in life, in in your teenage years and then up, you begin to not only become independent, you begin to start to think, I am a self-made man. I am a self-made woman. I don't need others to make it. In fact, if you look at what I've done and how I've accomplished it, you'll see, I did this. I've got this. And we forget how dependent we are upon this world, around the relationships we have, and ultimately our dependence upon God. If you are blessed to live a long life, and the older you get, you become reminded yet again how dependent you are upon others, and ultimately, hopefully, to see your dependence upon the Lord. We need other people. Al Mohler is the president of Southern Seminary, and he wrote this in his great book about the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread, serves as a clear and unmistakable reminder that we are mere creatures. God is the creator, we are needy, and God is the provider. And so we come to him saying, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. It's an admission of need. I'm dependent. I need you. And when Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, he was speaking to his disciples and to a Jewish audience And everyone in the crowd that's hearing this Sermon on the Mount is there literally on the side of a mountain and Jesus is preaching this long uh, sermon. They're seated and they're listening. And when he says, give us this day our daily bread, everyone in that audience immediately thought of one thing, and that is this. When God provided the people of God manna from heaven on a daily basis in the book of Exodus. They were (coughs) slaves in Egypt. Israel was. And you most likely, even if you're unchurched, uh, know this part of the story. Israel was enslaved in Egypt, and they were absolutely incapable of saving themselves or getting themselves out of slavery. And so God called Moses to be their redeemer. And he goes to Pharaoh, and he pleads with them, let the people go, and they won't do it. He will not relent and let the people go. And so ultimately, what happens is, God provides a means of escape or redemption from this slavery. And what he does is, uh, through the precious and holy blood of a lamb, God passes over the house of Israel, but the firstborn of Egypt are taken. Every single firstborn son, and even the firstborn among uh, sons among the, the animals in the, in the kingdom, perish. 
but not so for the people of Israel because the, the, the angel of death passes over their homes. Why? Because the blood of a spotless lamb covers their home. They were utterly dependent upon God to provide, and God provided. Then they escape, and, and Moses is leading them out towards the promised land, but then their backs are up against the Red Sea. Again, you don't have to be church to know this part of the story. They're literally up against a wall of, of sea, and Pharaoh's armies with chariots and, and men and horses are coming towards them. And what does God do? He splits the sea and provides a means of escape. And the people of God, thousands of them, travel across the sea unscathed. And then Pharaoh and his armies and his chariots and his horses are swallowed up as Israel escapes. <laughs> the armies that are against them are swallowed and taken. Their literal backs are against the wall and they are utterly dependent upon God to provide. And God provided. Then they finally get to the wilderness and and. And, and it's not yet the promised land, but they're there in the wilderness, and immediately, almost immediately after they get into this wilderness and wandering, the people of God, instead of remembering, look how God redeemed us out of slavery by the power of his hand, it says in Exodus, and an outstretched arm. Instead of remembering by faith and saying, the Lord did this, look what the Lord did, and look at, remember when we were at the Red Sea and literally peril is facing us and we walked through the sea dry, like it was dry land and, and Pharaoh's armies was swallowed up. God provided. And you'd think they would look at that. And so by faith, now that we're here in the, in the wilderness and we have no food, as we look around, they're getting scared. There's no in and out There's no McDonald's. There's no grocery store. There's not even a Trader Joe. There's nothing around here to provide food, and they're getting scared. And rather than exercise faith, they exercise fear. And it says throughout Exodus that the people of God, what did they do? It's one word, and it's a great word. It's an onomatopoeia. It's perfect. They grumbled. And in the Hebrew, that word grumble means grumble. Exodus 16, 2 through 3, it says this. The whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. <laughs> They're hangry. They're not just hungry, they're mad, they're scared, and they're hangry, and they don't act right. They don't have their snickers, apparently. They're just upset, and they can't get it straight, and they're grumbling against God. They're not looking by faith, they're looking by fear, but that's what we do, too, if you think about it. How many times can you look to your life and see how God has radically provided for you when you were desperate and God showed himself faithful? I can think of so many times in my life. If, if we just said today we're going to spend the rest of the day telling stories of, of how the Lord met us when we were dependent upon him and the Lord met us in our need, we would be here all day recounting story after story after story of how God met us in our need. You know that's true. And yet, 
Sometimes when things quit being bad and difficult, and now we enter a good season, everything's good, we grumble. I've got in and out and I've got grocery stores, and my belly's full, but I still grumble. At other times, though, things are difficult, and we really struggle, and we get into the wilderness, and there's nothing, and it's, not ba- it's barren. And, and, and instead of believing by faith, again, we fall into this thing of grumbling and complaining against the Lord. We all do this, but look at how gracious God was to them. In his grace, <laughs> because the Lord could have said, you know what? I just called you people out of slavery. I mean, it's only been a minute, and you're already driving me crazy. Like, I'm done. I'm, I'm picking a new people. I'm getting another Abraham from another tribe. You people are ridiculous. We want our meat pots. You know, like, I mean, you were in slavery, and I, that, that phrase is really funny to me. It reminds me of, like, uh, you go to a Christmas party, and somebody makes the huge, you know, uh, meatball uh, c- c- crock pot thing, you know, meat bucket like you know i guess in egypt they had these big pots of meat and and they're complaining against the lord but look how god responds in in verses four through seven of exodus 16 behold i'm about to rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that i may test them whether they walk in my law or not on the sixth day when they prepare what they bring in it will be twice as much as they gather daily because on the Sabbath, they, didn't, they were not allowed to work. I'm going to provide for you daily bread <laughs> every day. And on, Saturday, on Friday, you get a double portion so that you don't have to work. You don't even have to go around and gather what I've dropped down from heaven for you. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people, at evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Every evening and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumblings against the Lord. For what are we that you would grumble against us? Am I the one that provided the salvation? No, it was God. You're grumbling against God. But God provided enough food for them for the day. But no more. And in this cycle of showing the people of God, and and now he's teaching us to pray for our daily bread, this really ultimately is a prayer of contentment. Lord, let me be content for this day. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worry of its own, Jesus taught. Why do you worry about what you'll wear or what what you'll eat? Look at the birds of the air and the grass of the field. Look at how I provide for them. How much more so will I provide for you? The Lord met their daily need in such a way that if you gathered too much, you couldn't keep it. It would go bad. And if you, if you only gathered a little, you had enough so that you went to bed full that night. That's how the Lord provided. He who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who, who gathered little was full and had no lack. The Lord met their daily need. Give us this day our daily bread. We're called to live by faith that God will provide for us and meet our daily daily need, our daily bread. We know that God may not give us what we want, but he gives us what we need. He may not provide on the timetable that I have in mind, often does not, in fact, but he gives us our daily bread. 
He may not meet all of our expectations, but he loves us and he wants to provide for us. He, he is our good father. He loves us. He's for us. He's with us and he provides what we need. Next that I want us to see is this. We're all dependent, but secondly, the dignity, the dignity of the provision that God gives us because we're his created children. We're created in his image and there's dignity there. God is spirit and yet he delighted in creating the material world. God is spirit, and yet he, he created the physical universe. Everything that we see, everything that we experience, God created it, and he sustains us. The earth is good. He created all things and declared them good. He, he blessed it. His, his benediction is over it, and there's dignity in being a creature that has God has created, and by adding this petition, the Lord shows us the dignity of asking the Lord to meet our basic needs. Again, Al Mohler says this, in give us this day our daily bread, the Lord moves from the clouds of heaven to the trials and troubles of our own dusty streets and dirty kitchens. That's beautiful. He writes, he profoundly rejects any view that devalues the body or sees physical needs as somehow unspiritual or even sinful. This petition shows us that it is good for us to come to our Father to, to bring our needs. I believe it's fine to even bring our wants and our desires and our longings before the Lord because having prayed already, your will be done. Your will be done. Your kingdom become. I've already righted my heart in saying, I have an open hand, Father. This is about your will, not mine. But in light of that, Father, this is what I hunger for. This is what I desire. This is what I need, Father. I bring these to you. And it pleases the Lord to know our wants and our needs. I love knowing what my children need. When my sons come to me with a desire, a need, or a want, I love knowing that. They don't always get what they want, but they do get what they need from me. If it's a true need, I will meet that need. I want to meet that need. And Jesus says in Matthew 7, if you then who are evil, he's talking to us earthly fathers, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? If me, and he's not being pejorative and saying like I'm particularly evil, but what he's saying is this, you earthly fathers and mothers who are broken, fallen, and selfish, if you delight in not just giving what people need in your family, but even their wants and desires, like at Christmas, where it gets ridiculous, does it not? <laughs> How fun it is, though, for parents to provide what their children need, their daily provision, but also to go above and beyond and just bless for blessing's sake. If we who are broken, fallen, sinful, and selfish delight in that, how much more does our Father who is in heaven delight in meeting our needs and even meeting what we really hunger for and want in life? If Becky were the one speaking to you today, Becky is my wife, she would also add, be persistent in prayer and be specific in prayer. As you bring your longings and desires and your wants to the Lord in prayer, be particular, be specific, and be persistent. And she's an example of this. When we lived in Cincinnati, 
uh, she was telling me, I've been praying about a gift that we should give this family. There was this family in our church named the Rosanos, and the Rosanos had four of their own biological children, two of which were special needs, and then they added at this time to their family seven additional children uh, to their mix, all of which had, had very physical and special needs from around the world. And so this was at that point, there was only about 11 kids at that time, now there's many, many more, and they spent uh, their, their life dedicating themselves to these children. Our church rallied around them, loved them, supported them, they were just this amazing family, they still are, and they're still there. They lived in this very suburban, very modest house, and it was filled with these children and their needs. And so Becky at Christmas was praying, Lord, what gift should we give them? And she came to me and said, I've been praying about what we should give the Rosanos at Christmas. And I go, I know the answer to that. She said, what? And I said, it's cash. Like, they just need money. They have 11 children. Let's just give them, here's $100. Get what you need, right? But she goes, yeah, but I feel like the Lord is calling me to give them a, a gift pass to the zoo. Like, for the whole year, they can take the kids to the zoo. And I'm like, yeah, but give them money, right? And then they can go get what they want. And if it's a zoo pass, great. But she goes, have you prayed about this? I'm like, no. <laughs> well, I have, and I feel like we're being called to give them a zoo pass. I'm like, okay, get them a zoo pass. And I honestly, Scrooge here, the prayer Scrooge, was like, they just need money. So Becky knocks on their door. Kathy opens the door, and she said, Kathy, I've been praying for you, and I just felt like maybe you guys could use a zoo pass. And Kathy begins to cry immediately and say, our zoo pass just <laughs> expired, and our children love going to the zoo. They've been asking to go to the zoo, and we can't go to the zoo. And I've been telling them, maybe the Lord will provide, and then you walk up like the next day. <laughs> You see, when we get specific in our prayer, when we go to the Lord in prayer, when he provides, and by the way, that does not always happen, but when he does, doesn't that strengthen your faith? I mean, when you see the Lord work in such a way to knit those things together and to provide so beautifully for this family, doesn't that knit your faith? When we were moving here to, to plant New Valley from uh, Cincinnati, Becky was very persistent and specific in prayer for our life and what it would look like. This was a big move from us. We were moving from the Midwest, and we literally didn't know anyone when we moved here. And so she was praying, Lord, uh, to give us a house in a cul-de-sac where we could, our kids could be outside. We were overwhelmed with the idea of moving to the desert where it gets 100 degrees. Where are our kids going to play? Lord, give us a cul-de-sac where our kids can be out front. Give us neighbors that we can reach out to, some of which don't know you, but we want to see come to know you. And would some of those that come to know you join our church and help us even lead the church someday? That specific. Lord, would you give us Christian neighbors in, in the cul-de-sac so our children can have Christian uh, friends to get to know in, in our cul-de-sac and, and that kind of thing. And she would come to me with these very specific, specific prayers. And you'd think I would have learned from the Rosano incident, but I hadn't. I'm like, I think the Lord's got it. Like, he's covering this with his providence. We don't have to be specific, that specific. So we move here. We buy a house in a cul-de-sac. We meet our neighbors. And over several years, we see several of them come to know the Lord. One specifically becomes a Christian uh, uh, through this experience of going through a divorce, and we're living in the same cul-de-sac. He joins New Valley, he gets baptized, and he now helps lead our men's ministry and has been for years. Right down the street from us is another Christian family, so Christian, in fact, 
He's the pastor of Arizona Community Church, and his boys, exact same ages as my two youngest boys, have become our best friends, like literally are like sons to my sons. The Lord answers prayer. He delights in answering our prayers, even our specific prayers as we persistently go to him. He does not always answer the specific. If you need something answered, go to Becky. He seems to listen to her. (laughs) Cul-de-sac. Kids, got it. Check. (laughs) Apparently you shouldn't ask me because I'll just say, give him cash. (laughs) J.I. Packer says this, this idea of bread is not just about bread, it's about our lives. It's about the particular details of our lives. If Jesus had incarnated himself in Japan or China, he would have said, give us this day our daily what? Rice in the east. The bread covers all food, Packer says. So the prayers for farmers and against famine, it, it covers clothes, shelter, physical health. So the prayer is an intercession for social and medical services. It covers money and the power to earn, so it becomes a cry against poverty, unemployment, and national policies that produce or prolong both. It's not just about bread. It's about the necessities of our life. And the Lord says, come. Lastly, we see in this our deliverer. In John 6, beautifully, Jesus says this, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Back in Israel, when when you guys came out of slavery, it was not Moses that provided. It was God who provided. But now let me tell you something deeper, Jesus says. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. (laughs) And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. God cares profoundly about your physical needs. He does. But he has an even greater concern for our inner life, which is this, because we can have our physical needs met in in one moment and then not be met in another. But there's a hunger inside of us that until it gets met, and that is the hunger of knowing God and being right related to the God for whom you were created. And since the fall and the sin, we have all, all of us have have been isolated from God and are wandering from God and rebelling against him. But St. Augustine said this, our hearts are restless until they find their peace or their rest in you, O Lord. They're hungry. They're thirsty. And, it, and those hearts and that, that stomach and, and thirst cannot be satiated until you're rightly related to your Savior. And it's not as if as soon as you come to faith, you'll, you'll never have any more inner longings other than godly ones anymore. But it is to say this, until your heart is rightly related again to your Savior, you have no hope of having that inner life filled. Filling your life and your heart up with the one who is the bread of life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He fills us. Our hearts that are so lacking in contentment, looking for love in all the wrong places. The Lord comes and says, let me fill you. I'm your deliverer. I can deliver you from the bondage of sin and death. I can deliver you from the consequences of your sin. I can deliver you from the enslavement that you experience. And the Bible says in Ephesians, in several different places, we're slaves to sin. We're dead in sin in our trespasses and sins. 
and Jesus has delivered us. We needed deliverance profoundly, and Jesus has delivered us. Friends, he's the bread of life, and he feeds us and sustains us. And if, if you don't yet know him, come to him. None of the longings in your life can be met until you're rightly related to Jesus Christ, who is your Savior. And those of us that do know him and are still experiencing so much grief and longing and loss, come to him. Keep coming to him. He fills us. We know that's not a one-time experience. That's an ongoing moment-by-moment thing where we come to him and let him fill us and feed us. And we turn, friends, from our grumbling. We're so prone to grumble. So today, may we leave our grumbling here (laughs) and fix our hope on Jesus, who's the bread of life. And today, as we come to the table, just as last week, we're not only going to come and receive the Lord's Supper as we come forward. We're also also going to be um, taking prayers again, like we did last week, and placing them on the wall. And these are anonymous prayers. Last week, we prayed for the kingdom to come. This week, we're going to be praying this. Lord, hear my cry for my need of. And the prompt will be up on the screen. Lord, hear my cry for my need of health, for my need of healing, my need of work, a spouse, peace of mind, healing my marriage, overcoming addiction, direction, contentment, whatever it may be. So we gave you a little circle, a piece of paper when you came in. Spend a moment just filling that out. Lord, hear my cry for my need of whatever it is. Write it, and when you come forward, uh, when it's time for the Lord's Supper, uh, receive the Lord's Supper, and then place these prayers, again anonymously on there, but then it's a powerful demonstration of how much we are dependent upon the Lord, and we can pray for one another. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this reminder of our dependence upon you, our need for you. And we thank you for the provision that you constantly provide, meeting our daily needs. Forgive us for the ways we grumble against you and complain, living in fear. Help us to focus our faith on you, to live in light of that reality, that you are our deliverer. You meet our needs. You go beyond meeting our needs. You love us and care for us and even meet our desires and wants. So Father, we come to you today with our prayers and our, I pray as we, as we place our prayers on this wall, this wall of prayer, Lord, that you would hear our cry. You love us. You long to meet our needs. Hear our cries, Father, and I lift up my, my friends, my family here at this church. Lord, hear our cry. Lord, he, Heal those broken marriages. There are many where walls are just being built and um, we need your balm of grace just to come and break down the walls. Hear our cry, Lord. Bring, bring forgiveness. Bring words of healing and forgiveness. Real repentance, not just words. Hear our cry, Father, for our depression and our anxiety and our mental illness. Hear our cry for direction in our life the addictions we face, our peace of mind, our spouse, for healing. Hear our our cry for George as he goes to Minnesota. Lord, hear our cries. We ask in Jesus' good name. Amen.